For over 30 years, WRFL Lexington has been your source for live alternative programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. However, current health precautions are limiting our ability to provide continuous live programming. With that in mind, the following program has been pre-recorded. If you have any questions or would like to give feedback, please email contact at wrfl.fm. Regardless of our situation, WRFL is still your only alternative left. The following program contains views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the host DJ and their guests and are not reflective of the views of WRFL or its underwriters. For questions, comments, or concerns, please email programming at wrfl.fm. What is your definition of cancel culture? Oh no. <laughs> oh gosh. If I, okay. Is it recording? <laughs> okay. Cancel culture is, um, I feel like deplatforming someone, or even if they're not, if they don't have a platform, just like taking away someone's like livelihood pretty much to like hold them accountable for things that they've done wrong, like culturally, maybe? Like that's such a controversial question, but. That's a great answer. Would you say as a positive, a net positive or negative impact on culture? Mm, on culture? I personally think it's more of a negative impact, but I feel like that's more of a, a personal stance. Um, some people probably think it's a very positive impact because we're all holding each other accountable. But I feel like sometimes it can be a little far. Cancel culture is, I think, similar to what Olivia said about um, part of it is holding people accountable for things that they've done wrong. But the things that people say are wrong aren't necessarily um, what everybody would say is wrong. And the, the punishment and the consequences for being quote-unquote canceled are often a lot more extreme than what is deserved. And often somebody's people or organizations or whatever are getting canceled for things that doesn't represent them in the here and now. It's something that they did years ago that um, that you know they're they're changed and they're they've moved on from whatever it is that they did and maybe maybe it's important for them in the here and now to apologize for that and to you know make their statement of like I've changed. I'm sorry for this, but I'm a different person now. And then I think we should move on, but oftentimes when it gets toxic is when the the people who are leading the charge of the canceling just 
are doing it for the sake of canceling people that they don't agree with. More of like somebody getting kicked off or called out for doing something that the general public didn't like on social media or in person. Mm, I think it's just when people stop supporting someone for a period in time because they said something reckless. <laughs> Cancel culture for me is basically if you're a famous person and if you did something, even it could be the smallest thing in the world, if you did something and no one really likes it, your whole career can easily just be canceled within a blink of an eye, just like that. I would define cancel culture as somebody's opinion that somebody did something wrong, so they therefore believe that they should be canceled from history or whatever positive thing that they've done. I would say it's rooted in the desire, the everlasting desire of humans to control other humans. Okay. But to define it further, to build that out, I guess, it just takes form in uh, one person saying that another person's speech is either offensive or should be canceled or should not be allowed for whatever reason. It could be any reason. Typically, it ends, the reason ends with an ist. Overwhelmingly negative. Um, I think cancel culture is whenever uh, someone does something that... Um, people interpret to be as maybe unforgivable, but um, sometimes could be or could be forgivable. It's just a little bit extreme, um, and basically, they just think that they're not worthy of being given attention anymore. I would define cancel culture as um, the act of trying to not destroy, but maybe uh, negate someone's credibility based on one instance one circumstance and defining them by that one circumstance canceling something canceling someone or something for something that is not socially acceptable um it's when someone is like ostracized from something or just taken out of a, a group or a platform or a, some type of yeah, I guess group. They're just taking out of it, and um, I guess that's it. I don't know. Um, it's a way to control other people's speech uh, so that you get to stay comfortable. Um, a group of teenagers that just cancel what they feel like is not right for no reason. And they're taken away from a lot of cultures, which is not okay. And they think just because they think it's okay, they can cancel it and just put cancel uh, around every other, you know, aspect of famous people that have took hard work and made it into like something valuable for their life. It's a negative impact because uh, it's showing the younger com uh, kids how to act when it's not a good way to act. Um, much like he said, cancel culture is, you know, it's, a, it's, lit it's more of a mindset thing. It's how people view things. For example, if one person views something as wrong because that's how they truly believe, it's a belief of somebody else trying to input it or put it out to somebody else, making it seem as if though it was bad. So it's not more of a, it's, it's more of, yeah, it's more of an opinion-based uh, aspect. Um, well, although most, there is a high count of people who think it is positive, I truly believe it is negative due to the fact that off one opinion, everybody has opinions.
everybody's entitled to their opinion. Although my opinion is as negative because the more you cancel or the more someone, one person views the world in a complete negative aspect, trying to cancel stuff that has been for here for you know quite some time, it's putting that mindset of other into other people that, oh, maybe this is bad. All from one base belief that is spread very vaguely. I think I would define cancel culture as society saying uh, someone's actions has deemed them to be like not not only unworthy but like shunned from society for that given moment for that like specific activity. Uh, net, uh, definitely negative. Um, I think people definitely make mistakes. I think that those mistakes should be addressed if they haven't addressed it themselves. Um, I don't think that necessarily that they should be defined by their mistakes. I think people hopefully do more good than evil and we can you know, acknowledge the good that people do as well. I'll be honest, I'm not that familiar with that, but um, my take on some of that is um, equity across the board and um, diversity and also um, demographics. But I'm speaking from someone who's a little older um, than this generation. So I think our thoughts and our processing um, and the way we do things are a little bit different. That doesn't make it wrong, so. Negative on the person that's being canceled, but I guess kind of positive for whatever the cause is. So, say somebody says something out of pocket about women's rights, you know, you're not right, so you're getting canceled. I guess in that case, you know, it's good because it shows that people support a cause, but for that person, not so much because they're going to lose out on money. Do I think it has a positive and a negative effect? Um, positive effect because if somebody really did some wild stuff back then when they before they were famous and they never took accountability for it then like yes yeah, positive because you know people got to own up to their mistakes but it's also negative because it puts like celebrities in like this eye is like being perfect and like they can't make no mistakes so like them bringing back like past stuff they could have been grown as a person so it's also negative on that aspect too I would say Net negative. Um, I just see a lot of negativity as a result of it. And like I said, I feel like a lot of times people are getting canceled who um, have done a lot of good, but people are just nitpicking um, for the sake of canceling somebody that they either don't like or they don't agree with what they believe. I think positives that have come out. Um, are bringing to light things that often don't get brought to the light and things that have been left unresolved or unapologized for um, are then receiving the resolution that the situation deserves. Both, because the person really could have done something that's wrong and they deserved it for either like racial or sexist things that they did on social media or like out loud or it could be like bad because the person honestly really was an accident or they didn't really deserve it so I think it is completely negative because if everybody's canceling everybody then eventually we will have nobody to cancel and uh, our whole culture will be uh, wiped from wanting to be 
famous or sharing their beliefs or values because they're going to be walking on their tiptoes and, and worried about being canceled. Uh, I think definitely a negative impact. I'd say it would have a net negative impact. I don't think it's fair to um, judge might be too strong of a word, but um, I guess negate someone's entire career, life, whatever you want to call it based on one circumstance or instance of them screwing up, saying something wrong, saying an unpopular opinion, etc. Net negative. Oh gosh, net negative for sure. Negative. Period. The end. Because everyone says something wrong at some point in their life and people grow. Does not mean they need to be canceled for life. It could be a negative and it could be a positive because I think uh, inevitably we all want to work together but there's a lot of change that needs to take place um, and people are going to they're going to grow older and there's going to be more generations to come so we have to set up a path and a pattern um, that's healthy. Hello and welcome to The Listening Hour. This week's episode is on cancel culture. You're listening to WRFL 88.1. So cancel culture has become a very prevalent tool in the past five, 10 years that's been used to call out behavior of individuals that culture at large sees to be either amoral or unsavory or unacceptable. Advocates of this new tool claim it to be a way for giving power to the people to regulate those with concentrated power. It's decentralizing um, authority to approve from a moral perspective or even from a legal perspective what people are doing. Giving that back to, to culture in a way. It's often seen as a deterrent for future bad behavior and a form of social justice. Critics of cancel culture might classify it as a mob mentality that neglects any hope for meaningful transformation of an individual. They might say it represents an inability to forgive and a fixed mindset towards the human condition. So what do you think? Is cancel culture giving a voice to the powerless or is it making humanity incapable of compassion and change? The goal of this episode is to explore that very question. And you've already heard the first 15 minutes or so of question and answer, um, which yielded honestly a bit different results than I thought. A lot more people uh, outright saying cancel culture has has no place and it's a, a net negative um, definitely with a few people recognizing the nuance of the positive effect it can have on regulating behavior from a societal perspective but to get a little more clarity on the details of the different arguments i have two guests that we're going to talk with here in just a few minutes so thanks for tuning in and enjoy this next segment of the show WRFL's programming is made possible in part by Pearl's Restaurant. Pearl's Pizza offers wood-fired pizza, wings, salads, along with appetizers and a selection of vegan options. For more information, including hours of operation, you can visit www.pearlspizzapie.com or call 859-309-0321. WRFL thanks Pearl's for supporting College Radio. Okay, is it, does it say recording for you guys too? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, so I'll just, I'll start us out here. 
I'm Peter. I know both of you guys from separate parts of my life. Um, we'll take the beginning to kind of just get to know each other for a couple minutes because I feel like that's an important part. Um, for both of you, I started this show because uh, I have been having a lot more difficult conversations recently in my life. Um, and I was also seeing a lot of discourse on the internet that I just didn't feel like was fruitful at all for people to actually hear each other. And honestly, I saw this YouTube channel called Jubilee Media that was really inspiring that was doing the same thing that I'm doing here, but way better and on video. Um, and so I wanted to just do, the opportunity came, so I wanted to start something on my own. But that's a little bit about me. I care more about you guys. Grace, do you care to kind of just intro who you are and um, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Grace McLean. I am currently living out of a van, which you can kind of see in the background of the Zoom call, um, and in Santa Monica, California, but kind of traveling around. I am a health research associate for SHI360, which is an international nonprofit organization. So I do public health research with them. Um, yeah. Is that all you needed to know? Uh, okay. What about... What keeps you up at night? Oh, yes. What keeps me up at night? Um, a lot. I do have some anxiety-induced insomnia, so kind of a lot of things keep me up at night. Um, but I think a lot of big questions. Um, I think today's topic is part of a series of questions and topics that I think I think about a lot um, and try to think about kind of the injustices in the world and my place in that and what I can specifically do as an individual to positively impact the people around me and make our society a better place, um, which sounds just like very big, um, but a lot of a lot of topics within that that I definitely um, spend a lot of time wrestling with. Okay, sweet. Uh, we'll go over to Liz then after that. I'm Liz. You're probably going to hear my dog whining in the background at some point, so I apologize in advance. Um, I live here in Lexington, Kentucky, where Peter sometimes is. I work for Awesome Inc. with Peter. I wear two main hats. I do some of our marketing, and then I also help run a innovation consulting uh, program out of Awesome Inc. So, um, and then I do some sales on the side for another company. So kind of have my hand in a few things. Um, Maybe for the context of this conversation, I'm originally from Tennessee. I went to school in Chicago. I lived in New York for a few years and now I live in Kentucky. So I bounced around the country a little bit, not necessarily in a van. So I think you probably take the cake on mobility, but um, I think that's awesome. And what keeps me up at night? I'm really trying to think of something funny. Like do people who say they don't like chocolate mean it or are they just lying to themselves? But also, um, man, my husband would probably tell you what gives me anxiety and I is like tension in relationships and in community. Uh, I would say a great strength and weakness of mine is I'm a very strong empath. And so when people around me are carrying burdens that can really wreck, wreck my sleep. Um, did I get, did I get serious enough? We can move on now. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> you did. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, I won't waste any time. I'll kind of get right into introing what we're talking about. I've uh, been really excited about recording this show because I do think it's a, a very relevant topic. Uh, Liz initially came up to me and 
had voiced the idea that this could be a very interesting topic to discuss. And I've thought a lot about it, had a lot of conversations. Um, Grace and I have talked on the phone before, before this call about it. So yeah, just to give a little more background, the goal of the show is not to like get an expert in each panel and then have a, you know, three-part argument with a refutation and a confirmation. You know, it's it's not meant to be that. This is seriously just to have a an honest conversation about topics that might not naturally come up in conversation um, that are a little more polarizing. So conversation, not a debate. That's number one thing. Um, and to begin, I think it would be wise to give our definition of the topic we're discussing. So um, it's about cancel culture. And I want to start out with having each of you define in your own words, what cancel culture means to you. So Grace, we'll start with you. And then Liz, will go to you again. Sure. I think um, for me, it's a little bit difficult to define cancel culture. I understand the definition as it's commonly understood in conversations, which I think is kind of a collective decision to um, kind of expel someone from social media or from a job or from a social circle based on something that they said or did. Um, and I think that when we're talking about cancel culture also, it's mostly referred, referring to when people say something that um, the political left doesn't agree with. Um, and so they, I don't think it's referred to as much when it goes the other way. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's very difficult to define because it doesn't seem like something that is necessarily new culturally, I think that social media has changed it a little bit. Um, but I think that people have been quote unquote, canceled uh, for most of human society. Um, I think that when we're looking at who has historically been canceled, I think the tables are maybe turning a little bit, particularly when we're talking about cancel culture. Um, like if we're talking about someone losing their job or not having access to a job because of something that they did or said, I think there's a lot of people who have historically not had access to a job or been fired for a job because of more who they are. Um, and I think that there's an important distinction to be made between um, opinions and validation or undermining of humanity or opinions and who someone is and their identity. And I think that it gets very muddled um, so all that to say, I think that it's a it's a complicated topic, and I think the way people define it says a lot about what they think about it and what they think uh, what their opinion is on it. Um, so that's kind of my initial thoughts, but I don't know if that really counts as a full definition. No, that does. Uh, it's <laughs> I wasn't expecting necessarily a clear cut boom X Y Z. It's it is nuanced, so uh, that's part of the problem. Uh, cool. Liz, what about you? What do you think your definition of cancel culture? Um, I think I might wiggle out of this question and say that I don't think I have a big problem with Grace's definition. So I don't want to add a lot because I think it may be helpful if we work from a little bit of a shared definition. I, I yeah, so I, I really, I think mostly we would be on the same page. Maybe the only other thing I would add just for the purpose of this conversation is I do kind of view two different scales of cancel culture on a public scale and then maybe on more of a personal scale. Um, and I think that that can look a little bit differently, but um, 
so I, I think you're very much describing grace very eloquently what it looks like on a public scale um, with cultural trends and norms. And then I think we also are seeing it happening on a personal interpersonal relational scale, um, which looks a little bit different, right? You're not um, throwing a brand out the window, but maybe that looks like, you know, releasing a friendship or choosing not to date someone, for instance. So uh, I think that's maybe the only other context I would add, but I really think she nailed it. Sweet. Okay. I mean, that's the goal will be to have the same working definition. So that is, that is good. Okay. So with that, we'll move on to kind of the meat of the discussion. And the way that I've tried to design it is I'll give a prompt and there are four responses each of you can have strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, or strongly disagree. And the goal of each prompt is to kind of force you into one side or the other so we can have some kind of conversation about it. Otherwise, it's it's all just kind of like, well, it's this and that. So don't feel like you have to be siloed into one way of thinking. You'll have a chance to discuss what you actually meant by your response. And what we'll do is I'll say the prompt and then each of you will give your response just the word, the strongly agree or disagree. And then we'll go back and have each of you kind of talk about what you meant by that. And then if there's conversation that flows from it, I'll kind of just meter it and play off of what we have there. Does that sound good? Okay, so first prompt, cancel culture is productive for a thriving society. We'll start with Grace and then go to Liz, just your immediate uh, two word answer. Strongly agree. Somewhat agree. All right, Grace, tell us what you meant by that. Sure, I would say strongly agree with caveats. Um, and I think that it depends on what you mean by a thriving society and who is part of that. I think that if our goal is a thriving society where people of all races and cultures and backgrounds are given a fair chance and able to live um, productive lives, then I think that having accountability and consequences for people in power who are oppressing them is essential. So that is kind of, again, like maybe a caveat to the strongly agree, but um, yeah. Um, I would somewhat agree. I think I would say that I think it is inevitable in a thriving society is maybe how I would change that. I think similar to what she's saying, if, if everyone has a seat at the table, there are going to be too many opinions and too much diversity, which is what we're going for, right? So that I think there will be disagreement. Um, where I think I back off a little bit is um, when I think the lack of listening or ability to hear or uh, allow for nuance or a middle ground, I think that is very dangerous to a thriving society when we stop listening and we see things in black and white. So I think it's inevitable, but I think it certainly has issues that can sort of haunt, can haunt the presence of cancel culture. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm not gonna go in any particular order on these. Uh, the next prompt is cancel culture is mob mentality. Grace, we'll start with you. 
Or maybe we can have Liz go first. I feel like I was, was going to say I feel like this isn't fair to her. She yeah. has to go first. Well, no, no, no. I was thinking it wasn't fair to you. Um, to then like build off mine. So yeah, why don't you take this one first? Sure. Um, probably somewhat agree. I'm gonna let her state, and I can go. I would also say somewhat agree. I think fortunately or unfortunately to me, cancel culture is the result. And this is a phrase that I use often. It's, it's whatever is decided in the court of public opinion, which I think is a really dangerous court because there's no arbitrators and there's no real rules about it. It's just whatever public opinion decides in that moment. And I do think it is far too easy to let other people do the work for you, do the thinking for you. And I think that's often what we see is a mob mentality where people don't do research on their own. They are not well-informed. They take small snippets from social media or what their friend said, or that conversation I had yesterday that sounded good. And then that becomes their frame of reference and their philosophy. And I think that's really unfortunate because we now can outsource thinking for ourselves. And so I think in that regard, I do see friends and even myself, to be clear, I have opinions on things that I have no right to have an opinion on yet because I've just done it because essentially the mob or the court of public opinion has told me to think or feel that way. For over 30 years, WRFL Lexington has been your source for live alternative programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. However, current health precautions are limiting our ability to provide continuous live programming. With that in mind, the following program has been pre-recorded. If you have any questions or would like to give feedback, please email contact at wrfl.fm. Regardless of our situation, WRFL is still your only alternative left. I think, um, and again, this is thinking about cancel culture in the public sphere. Um, so I think that was an important distinction for Liz to make. Um, but I think when we're thinking about it in the public sphere, mob mentality obviously has a negative connotation. And I think when we think about it instead of collective action and listening to voices that have historically not been empowered, um, I think that that, even if it's me letting them take the lead and, um, and it might be an issue that I personally don't have a lot of experience in, like as a white woman, um, I am not gonna be able to form a full opinion on the black experience in America, but I can learn from other people and follow their lead and support them. And I think that that is, can then be spun to be mob mentality that I'm just going along with them and not forming my own opinions on it. Um, but I think that when there is that sort of collective action and listening to other people who might have different experiences, I think that can actually be positive. Um, and so I think that, yes, it's mom mentality in that there's a lot of people who are fighting for something. And I think that that's kind of the definition of mom mentality, but I would call it maybe something different. Can I, is this, can I say something, Peter? <laughs> um, so we get out of this back and forth. I think you make a really good point. And I wonder if it's interesting using the terminology, the terminology of mob mentality, which can feel like mentality of the majority, right? And so I think Grace, you're making a good point that I almost wonder if 
the presence of technology and social media allows the voices of in fact the minorities to feel like mob mentality and maybe that's not always a bad thing because maybe what they don't have presence in numbers they can have an influence and when i say they to be very specific people outside of the three people on this call which are all white two of which are women um and so I think that is that can be valuable. Maybe maybe we do have to even define terms more clearly of what is mom mentality, what's the majority, what's the minority, who's having a voice, who who are we listening to? And I also think the mob on my Instagram maybe is different from the mob on your Twitter, right? Like those voices can be very very different. And I I think often I see on the news where they're like, oh, can't you know the mob or whoever has canceled this one person? And I'm like, really? Or did a very small section of Twitter decide that they're mad and they're actually going to be okay? And maybe they just needed to be called out. Um, so I think it, to me, it's just so important in these conversations to get to definition of terms because I automatically think people not thinking for themselves. And I think you're bringing up a great point of, well, what if I'm not surrounded by people who should be informing my opinion, but Instagram can help them inform my opinion or Twitter can help them inform my opinion. And that's actually a really valuable asset. And I think this is really a symptom of what a lot of these conversations are like, um, where we use these terms like cancel culture or mom mentality that have these negative connotations and everyone has their ideas behind them. Um, and then when we're not using shared definitions and we're just jumping to conclusions based on our understanding of that or saying, oh, you're like, we've been working to try to advance this issue and bring it to the forefront. And now you're just dismissing it as mob mentality. Of course, people are going to be upset by that. Um, and so I think that your initial points of talking about how this is nuanced and there has to be nuance to the discussion, I think even just what we're doing right now of saying, how are we defining this? What is the kind of distinction there um, is important. I think with social media too, I don't think we can discount um, the social media companies and the way that they're targeting people and surrounding people with information that um, feeds into confirmation bias and makes people feel good and want to keep clicking and want to stay on or feel outraged and want to keep clicking and want to stay on. Um, and so I think social media is not a neutral platform. It's not just strict neutral information sharing and relationships. There is there are these companies behind it that have bottom lines and incentives. And so what you were just saying about like, it might be a small subset of Twitter, but if you're, that's your subset of Twitter, you feel like everyone in the world is mad about a topic and it might not be that many people, but Twitter is incentivizing you to feel this outrage and continue to be on and continue scrolling and just reading about this one issue over and over again. Um, and so I think that's also an important thing to acknowledge when we're talking about cancel culture because I do think that social media plays such an intrinsic part of it um, and I don't know if you've seen like the social dilemma or some of the other kind of um, documentaries or read anything about some of what the social media companies have been doing to try to target us but I definitely think that's part of this conversation as well. When I was asking people before we're having this conversation about um, cancel culture you're right immediately when they, you answer you can kind of get a tell of where they're or feel from where they're coming from. Um, like there is an immediate gut reaction to the words that uh, you hear in your everyday speech. Uh, and a lot of them took it as like a, when you hear, hear cancel culture, it's basically taking somebody's credibility away for one action that they did. And it's not like talking about it in the context of like a systematic oppression of a certain group. And so defining the terms I think is really important. 
and you might have a lot more um, consensus if you define those upfront. But that kind of gets me to my next prompt that I want to talk about, unless you guys have something more about what we were just talking about. Okay. Um, so this one I've thought a lot about, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think. You can support some of a person's ideas and disapprove of others. Liz, we'll start with you. Strongly agree. Somewhat agree. Peter, I think this is actually what I got into or what you and I got into a little bit when you first brought out this conversation with me. Um, and I think this is where it probably gets the most personal for me. And I will be honest, I'm going to be a little bit cautious considering this is a public podcast. But um, I think to me, this is like the, a core of humanity that to, to rob someone of everything because of one thing, like who, who will be left? like, because, because who, who can be right in everything, who is wise in all things, who is correct in all things. Um, and I think maybe where it gets personal for me is I think this is where it goes from a public scale to a personal scale. Um, and so I guess uh, to clarify, I'm going to speak to this from a personal scale, maybe less from a public scale. Maybe I would have a different opinion on that. Um, cause I think when it comes to like a brand or a corporation, when I'm buying into it, am I essentially buying into all of it? And I think my answer is probably. So I would say I would probably have a different answer on a public scale, but I think on a personal scale, I think when we allow um, online sort of information, and I would even argue sometimes like monetized dogma to make decisions for our personal life and how we think about our friends and our family and say that, well, you know, the internet is telling me that if you think this, then you're this kind of a person. Maybe, and maybe you need to call those people in your life to accountability, but also what if, what if there's someone really close to you? Um, does that mean you just be rid of them and, and you sort of wipe your hands and say, well, I didn't agree with them on this one, maybe really important topic. And so I can't, then I'm not going to deal with the rest of them. And so I think this is where, and I'm not saying, I think that there isn't a moment where you need to walk away from a, a friendship or a relationship. I think those moments do exist. But I think that that is very heavy and deep waters to tread in um, that that like really, I, I think, it, I just think it gets really heavy to say um, if I, so, and I would say maybe both ways, if you support or don't support one thing, then everything else has to go with it. Um, I'll, I'll stop there because I'm really curious what Grace has to say and, and I can say more if needed. So for this, the First thing that comes to my mind is a James Baldwin quote that I am not going to be able to quote verbatim, but he says, like, we can disagree until you disagree with my humanity, and then, like, we can't talk any further. Like, that's not up for debate. And I think that that is the core of a lot of this for people, um, is that they aren't going to be able to accept a, a differing opinion if it's an opinion that violates their humanity. Um, and I think that that gets really difficult. I think that ha having people in your life and friendships and um, being close with people who see the world differently than you is fine. Um, but I think asking 
people from marginalized communities to put that aside and accept someone's opinion or actions that um, directly undermines their ability to live or function in society um, is not fair to ask people. Um, and so I think that is why I said somewhat agree because I think it's important to understand people's humanity and how people come from different backgrounds and have different lived experiences. And we all see the world in different ways. And I think it can be very destructive when we dismiss people just based on one facet of that or don't um, bring empathy to our relationships and understanding that other people's experiences are different than ours. But I think when we're asking people from marginalized communities to agree to disagree about their humanity, that's where the line kind of is drawn. I think a way that I have talked about it before, at least how I sort of wrestle with it is, and I think I'm mostly just gonna rephrase what you're saying, Grace, because I certainly agree. I think you have to think about what, when is when is it my job and when is it not my job or when is it someone else and not someone's someone else's job or not. And by that, I mean, um, uh, to speak specifically, I think on matters of race and history and humanity and freedom, um, is it the job of my friends of color to address like white communities or is that my job? And I think that's when I've had to realize it, it's very different when talking to both of those, because to your point, I think it is asking a lot more of someone when it when it's addressing their humanity, I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it of like their existence to offer that emotional energy and effort to have conversations or to have those friendships. Um, and so I think I almost, I think it, it differs almost person to person on who, who it is worthwhile or important to make that distinction for of like, when is this relationship worthwhile or not worthwhile for me? And I also think to maybe kind of say the opposite of what I was saying, I think sometimes we do throw around cancel culture a little too frivolously. And I think we need to make it okay for someone to say, I care about you and I respect you, but what you were saying is maybe so hurtful or so unhelpful or defeating to me that I, I need to walk away and I'm not going to completely demonize you, but I'm, I'm stepping out of this. And I don't think, and then I think on the flip side, then to be honest, I think as sometimes white people, we need to understand like, like let them, that, that's a, that's an okay thing. That is a healthy thing. I think we quickly then are like, we were, we, they've canceled. It's like, no, sometimes they just, we've all walked away from friendships and relationships. Sometimes that's really healthy and it's absolutely what you should do because you cannot engage with everyone all the time. Um, and so I think there's just a couple of different aspects at play, depending on who you are, um, your race, your gender, your history, um, and, and, and your experience. I feel like I was not quite as eloquent with that as I wanted to be, but I, I really appreciate what you're saying, Grace. Yeah, I, and I think when we take it kind of to the public, level, which I think we're kind of differentiating between the, these individual relationships and the public level where we're talking about famous people, celebrities, brands, things like that. I think that in that way, if someone does say something that we disagree with, choosing to not give our money, attention, time, social media following, whatever to someone, I think is completely fair even if it's just based on one thing they said like we don't 
we don't owe anyone our attention and time and money and following on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, if they're famous, um, if they say something that we don't like, we can hit unfollow and we can decide not to consume their product. Um, and I think that that is fine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I think, again, I that I would maybe say strongly agree with um, that you can kind of, I don't remember exactly what the original statement was, but I would say that statement I would strongly agree with and the public sphere and somewhat agree with sort of depends on what the opinion is, what the identity is of the people who are in that interaction. I think if it's one of my white family members who says something racist, I'm not necessarily going to immediately cut them out of my life because I think that it's part of my responsibility to try to talk to them and like work through that and try to get them to see it from a different perspective. Um, and, but I would never ask if, if let's say like they said something anti-black, I would never expect of one of their black colleagues or someone else in their life who heard that to then continue to pursue a relationship or have them in their life. But I think for me, if it's a family member or someone like I'm gonna continue having them in my life. So that's why I think there is a distinction of um, you can cut someone out if it is something that is undermining your humanity, but I am not gonna cut someone out of my life because of one opinion that they have that even if I think it's really terrible. Yes, and also yes. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs> This portion of WRFL's programming is made possible in part by Skechel Media. Skechel Media is an independent bookstore and gift shop in Lexington offering a selection of new and used books as well as other novelty items. Skechel Media is located at 371 South Limestone and can be reached at 859-255-4316. WRFL thanks Skechel for supporting College Radio. Yeah, no, this is really good. And I think a question that I've had for myself a lot is, you know, how far does that circle extend to where you're going, you know, you, you may be that, that person's connection who would ever even try and have a conversation with them, um, where they're not ostracized and there is a hope for change in their perspective. And I think uh, coming from, from my experience, it's easier to be like, oh yeah, like you just have to put in the work and have the conversation. Otherwise there's no hope for change. But I, I totally understand how from a different perspective, a different experience, different walk in life, how it's like, you know, it's not my responsibility to make that person feel differently or, or change their perspective. Um, and I, I can cut them out. But that is a difficult line to walk to figure out like who is in that circle of change around you that you feel like, man, I need to invest to, to have these conversations. And who is it that you're like, you know what, you know, this is not, I don't need to be the one doing this. So I think an important thing also is that those conversations maybe need to not happen on social media. Um, at least that's what I've seen in my life is even when someone posts something on social media, where I'm like, I want to talk to them about that. I don't comment on their post or talk about that in social media maybe I'll give them a call or next time we're together bring it up something like that but I think that when it's on social media even if it's someone that is kind of in your sphere of hey I feel a responsibility to talk to them I might be offering a different perspective I think taking those conversations off social media is very important
I think it's also a really deeply personal question, Peter, and I think it's a healthy thing to ask, which is, I think it's very easy to, for us to talk in like broad scale, of like, you know, what big actions are we taking and where, like donating, and, and that's great, like, please donate your money to great causes. But what is a lot harder than sending funds somewhere is having hard, hard conversations with yourself of what is in my sphere of influence and, and what isn't. And so then like bless and release that. But if it is, then what conversations need to be happening there? Um, because I do think what I will say is if all of us walk away from hard situations or, you know, relationships or groups and societies that we're in that we don't fully agree with, if everyone leaves that I would argue is like nuanced and, and kind and thinking well and humanely, then, then, ha then how, is, how are the other groups gonna learn? How, how, are, how are they going to grow? Who is there to, to walk alongside a journey? Because I've, I've had to have those people in my life when I have said stupid things and thought silly, immature, hurtful things to other people that had the patience and the kindness to stick with me and hold my hand and walk alongside me and say, I'm not, I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to throw you out with the bathwater. And I think that's where I, I just find a lot of caution with, um, like I, I have been on that side of the equation. I am often on that side of the equation where I have thoughts and opinions that goodness gracious, I need, I need to be taught. I need to learn. And so I hope my friends stick with me in those moments and, and push back and coach and have the patience to, and, and love for me to say, I know, I, I know you want better things. I know you want to believe better things. So let, let me walk alongside you. Like that is what my friends of color in my life have done um, that I am eternally grateful for is, is that they have stuck with me of, uh, you know, white girl from Tennessee who didn't know what the heck she was getting into or a lot about anything. Um, and so I, I want, I think extending that grace to other people, I think having like that, that's that humility and grace, I think is really important. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Liz. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, we only have a few more minutes. Um, I want to touch on this same topic, but it's, this is not going to be a prompt because I don't have it written out, but it's a bit more to the public sphere. And I, I've had this conversation um, with several people, but when a public figure that you might have admired for a while or have enjoyed some of their work, whether it's uh, an artist or a musician or whatever it may be, uh, is effectively canceled by culture, do you think there's still an ability to like approve of some of the works of a person or a company while also actively disapproving of, of other parts of that, that more public entity or public facing um, person? Did that make sense? Yeah, like whether you can enjoy and consume the art without connoting the artist or whatever, separate the art from the artist is kind of the saying. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're going for. Um, and I think, I think it depends. And I think that that's like a unsatisfactory answer. Um, but I think that that is kind of where a lot of this goes, where there it depends on the situation. There's a nuance to it. It's, um, I, of course, every public figure has flaws. Um, I think for me, both in the individual and the public sphere, a big factor is whether people are willing to listen and to change their minds. And I think Liz, what you were just talking about, about friends who have pushed you, like you're being willing to 
listen and be pushed and maybe change your mind, I think is different than when people are being pushed and just continue to push back and don't seem to be listening or be open-minded at all to see someone else's perspective. And I think the same thing applies on the public scale um, when it is someone, I don't know, I, I don't know why he just popped in my head, but R. Kelly, for example, like a lot of people have said, hey, I'm not gonna play Remix to Ignition at a party ever <laughs> again and give him even like one more stream on Spotify because he has abused so many young girls and his career and like uses that money, had used that money um, to do really horrible things. And I mean, now he's in prison, thankfully, but like, and I think that is a situation where a lot of people are like, you know, I, I can't enjoy this song because now I hear these lyrics and think like, who is he singing this to? And it's very, very hard, I think, to separate that art from that artist, um, even if it remix ignition is catchy and reminds you of like middle school dances, <laughs> you know, like that, that it doesn't really matter at that point. It's still, you have to kind of throw it out. Um, and I'm struggling to think of another example of someone who maybe did something wrong that then kind of heard the calling out and feedback. So Liz or Peter, if you can think of someone, but I think that if a public figure hears that and seems to be listening and changing their behavior or, um, or it's not something that's like necessarily evil, like sexually abusing 14 year old girls. Um, I think that there's also like some nuance around that scale of like injustice and uh, not necessarily scales adjusted, but just there are cases that are maybe a little bit more, okay, I can deal with that even if I don't 100% agree with it versus um, like it, it makes you feel like I can't even participate at all. So I don't know. I did not say that very eloquently, but I, I think it depends. <laughs> sort of. So I just recently listened to a podcast, which I will shamelessly plug. It's called The Popcast. It's actually quite lighthearted and a good time. I think their tagline is um, educating you on all things that entertain but do not matter. But they have an episode called, um, they have a series where they do the nose, like the N-O-S, like so the nose of dating or the nose of weddings. And they basically do things that they're like, just please stop doing this like at weddings, like stop washing feet at weddings. Like it's weird, it's like jokes like that. But they have an episode called The Nose of Apologies, and they discuss basically public celebrity apologies, and they discuss personal ones as well. And they get into a little bit of what, what do we expect as a society when a public figure apologizes. Um, and interestingly, they bring up, um, I was actually shamelessly just texting my husband, I think it's Drew Brees, um, who... Uh, he originally came out when everything was happening with the NFL and the kneeling and the flag. And he was like, I don't ever agree with anything that um, disrespects the American flag or something to that effect. And really over the next weeks and months, a couple of his um, team members and friends, many of whom are obviously black, sort of came around him. And he had, I think, a sort of reckoning moment and ended up coming out with a statement saying like, I'm, I'm realizing I missed the point. Like I, I sort of, I missed what was going on here and I've had people to come around me 
and his wife even came out and made a statement um, sort of reflecting what that means for their family. And she was saying, you know, we thought that doing X, Y, and Z was enough as like, you know, a white couple and we're realizing we've been missing so much. And I think a lot of people saw that, um, I think in that moment, it was a sincere sort of learning process that was not about him, but was in fact about the community that like helped, that helped carry him through that. Um, but I know for a while, everyone was like, well, can I watch Drew Brees? Like, can I, you know, can I like him anymore? Like, can I root for his team? And I think it's a similar, like, do you listen to the music? Do you watch the football? Do you, you know, watch David Dobrik right now? Like, do you stream a YouTube video? And I think some of me has a little bit less empathy for public figures and I was actually Peter talking to a couple of our coworkers today because I'm kind of like man you're especially for those who are influencers I'm like you've built your brand on clout and so that's the risk you take and with a great influence comes great responsibility and so I don't know that I have as much I don't think I have a ton of tolerance for sort of like a, oh well I'm just a normal person and I accidentally said something bad I don't have a lot of compassion for that because you're not a normal person you have chosen abnormal influence and you affect how people think about the world. And so I get to vote with my dollar. I get to not buy from your company or listen to your music. Um, and I I can I get to be a little, like not fickle, but I get to be choosy about that. If you come back and I feel satisfied with that, you of course corrected your influence, maybe I'll listen to your music again. And I don't think that's always the court of public opinion being fickle. I think sometimes that's us saying, hold up, how are you gonna handle this? And we're gonna wait and see. And if you are, I'll keep buying your shoes or, you know, whatever the example is. Um, and so I think on a public scale, I've always been a fan. Like we vote with our dollars and I think we have not, we don't always take that seriously. Um, and so I, I think on a public scale, it's healthy to ask people to be an example of how to be humble and learn and apologize. Um, do you listen to the music in the meantime? I don't know, kind of like what Grace is saying. I, I think it's, you know, example to example, like a lot of great artists were like really screwed up weird people who probably did terrible things. Like, was Picasso okay? I don't know, do we know? Like, did, how, was, did he have a therapist? Probably needed one, but he made incredible stuff. So, you know, we, we tell about it all over the world. So I, I think it does vary situation to situation. Um, but I do think I have a little less compassion for public figures. And I feel a little bit more of an ability to say, you know, I'll make that personal decision for myself. Yeah, I think if you are benefiting from a fame and a platform, if then you have fame and a platform and you do something wrong, and then you have a lot of people who notice that, like it, you can't then, like you said, say, oh, I'm just a normal person. Like, yeah, like you have, you have this position of influence in this platform and you can lose it also. And I don't think that that is something that you are owed or that you have a right to just because you had it at one point. Um, I think that I might have frozen. I'm gonna pause. Oh, you're unfrozen now. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember where my train of thought was going because then you froze and I lost it. Um, if you have that public platform, then you can yeah, also yeah. lose it. Yeah. That's what I was saying, but there's another point I wanted to make, but now I forgot, so we can move on. <laughs> I think also to be clear, maybe the one thing I would tag on this, I think I would draw a line of like, I can stop buying from people who are spending my dollars. The internet is also a terrible, nasty place. We're, we're just mean. And I don't know that we have to be mean to people because we disagree with them and want to stop supporting them. And I do think the dark corners of the internet were like celebrities disappear and have mental health issues because they feel like everyone hates them. I do feel like that's we sometimes can take it too far. Like people do not need to get death threats because they said something even terrible. Just stop spending your money. 
stop and sure make a public statement or you know shout out on your twitter but i i think there is again all these situations are just very nuanced um and so i do think they are still people who are humans and have emotions and feelings um and i think we need to respect that as much as possible but to your point grace you also did choose a public platform and with that comes high highs and probably low lows yeah and i think there's a difference between accountability and people saying i'm going to unfollow you and I'm not going to give you my money um, versus, yeah, like you said, like sending death threats or really mean, nasty comments and messages and things like that. I think that there, there is a difference between that and recognizing people's humanity, um, I think, is really essential in any sort of disagreement. Um, and even if it is directed at people in power, it doesn't mean that they're not human. Yeah. Man, uh, I feel like we've only just started talking about this. There's so much to be discussed, uh, but actually filled up the time extremely quickly. So, so uh, we only used three out of the 10 or so prompts I put. Um, Liz, Grace, thank you so much for being willing to talk about this. I know it's not an easy thing to discuss and could even be, um, could bring up some personal stuff in life. So I appreciate you being willing to talk about this. You guys have great thoughts. I respect you both a lot. And uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation and um, seeing what you guys do. So uh, with that, thanks for tuning in to the listening hour and I will see you next week.